welcome. If I had to live without you. Welcome to another edition what kind of, life would that of Real Talk. Oh, I'm Adam with you tonight. And tonight we are going to dive into a uh, an action-packed movie that I'm sure many of you all have watched and over and over over the years many times sing along And if you don't know what movie we're talking about, it's the 1997 Nicolas Cage movie, Con Air. And uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. So yeah, please, please tell a friend. We have the Best Friends Festival going on tonight in downtown Norton. So come check that out. A lot of fun stuff going on. A lot of festivities. There's a band outside playing a lot of stuff for the kids. I think I saw a trampoline out there. And so please come out and enjoy the festivities tonight. Also go to the Other People Show on Facebook, YouTube, Spotify, and TikTok. You'll find a lot of good things always popping up on there. Day after day, week after week, year after year. So please do that. So tonight, uh, last week we did the movie The Crow, Brandon, uh, Brandon Lee, The Crow. And that was a, a last minute, kind of a last minute decision. But it was an actual um, good decision because The Crow being uh, a movie, like I said last week, that it's dear, near and dear to my heart. But tonight's movie is near and dear to my heart for a completely different reason. And that reason being is because I'm a huge Nicolas Cage fan. Those that know me, a few of you, like I said last week, I have very few friends. But those that do know me can tell you that I'd, I'd like to think that Nicolas Cage is my father. No, seriously, seriously, hear me out. There's been a couple different times throughout my life when I have been, I don't want to say mistaken for Nicolas Cage because that's not the truth, but I've been called, you have a resemblance to Nicolas Cage Maybe it's the nose, maybe it's the sad eyes, but in you know, <laughs> sorry. In addition to that, though, I uh, I will be wishing Nicolas Cage a happy Father's Day this coming. Isn't that coming up soon? Yeah, Leanne says it is. So let's get in tonight's movie. Con Air, it is about a newly paroled ex-con and former U.S. Ranger, Cameron Poe, 
who finds himself trapped in a prisoner transport plane when the passengers take over the plane. Now, this was a movie back in 1997. It was filmed in, in 1996. Um, and Nicolas Cage had a very busy, those couple years, he'd, he'd come off of, he had done the, won the Academy Award for Leaving Las Vegas in 1995. Um, he'd also done a movie called Kiss of Death that had David Caruso from uh, NYPD Blue. He did one season. And Sam Jackson is also in Kiss of Death. Which is a very underrated movie, so I suggest if you haven't uh, seen that, you should see that. It's not a great movie, but it's you know it's kind of underrated. Nicolas Cage is a, a a villain, a bad guy in that one, but he had done a lot of uh, you know um, raising Arizona. He had done Wild at Heart with David Lynch. He had done these uh, Vampires Kiss. If you haven't watched that, you should, and. He was a man that had not really done any type of an action movie up until he had won the Academy Award. And often when you win the Academy Award, especially back then in the 90s, when it, when it actually meant something to win an Academy Award. Nowadays, it, it honestly, when you win an Academy Award, it doesn't really mean anything now, but it used to. Believe it or not, it, it actually used to. So he had won the Academy Award. He was being offered all these roles. Um, and it could have been he, you know, he did the Superman Lives. He was going to do that with Tim Burton. Um, I'm sure you've seen pictures, but that had obviously didn't work out. So what happened was Nicolas Cage had done a, an action movie with Sean Connery called The Rock. With a, a Michael Bay movie. And The Rock is a solid solid action movie that holds up to this day to this very day the rock is there i don't think there's any cgi in the movie the rock it is real actual practical effects and you can tell the car chase scenes are real there is real metal being slammed into each other people are obviously they're not being shot with bullets or anything like that but it is a practical effect extra, extravaganza. And I would argue, um, i got to be honest, I would argue that The um, the Rock is a better action movie than uh, Con Air. But it has uh, Nicolas Cage as uh, Stanley Goodspeed. And that might be another episode later later down, down the lane. But that being said, he had done The Rock... Uh, and then he had time to choose his next, his next, uh, I guess, project. And that project would be Con Air and Face Off. So if you didn't know that Face Off came out a, a month later than Con Air did. So Con Air, and it's weird, um, I didn't even plan it to be this way. But Con Air came out June 6th, 1997. So Con Air came out, what, 26 years ago? Uh, pretty much this weekend, 26 years ago. And so here we are. Hooray. Hooray for Con Air. Hooray for Nicolas Cage.
I'll always say hooray for Nicolas Cage, even if it's not the great Nicolas Cage movies that he often does. So, Nicolas Cage is paired with uh, John Cusack. You got John Malkovich, Dave Chappelle, Green Rames, Steve Buscemi. This is a star-studded cast. Now, they are over the top in many of the scenes. But they're supposed to be over the top. Because that's the kind of movie this is. This is an action movie that you're going in knowing that you're going to have things blow up. You're going to have dodging bullets. There's going to be a... It's a... It's a it's a testosterone-filled action flick. And it doesn't try to be anything more than it is. There's a scene later in the movie, we'll get to it, where Cameron Poe is walking and he's already, you know, he's well into the fight. He's, he's been fighting the, the inmates and he gets shot in the, clipped on the side of the arm. He doesn't even miss a break, a beat. He doesn't. And uh, that's when you know that Nicolas Cage... He's going to kick your butt with that hair. The the wife beater shirt that he has on later in the movie. He does a roundhouse kick. He breaks someone's nose. So Nicolas Cage is a, a butt kicker in this movie. But he's... he's he has that... Uh, I don't even want to attempt to do his, uh, his southern drawl. Put the bunny... Back in the box. Yeah, I can't do it, but I tried. That's all that matters. You try to do it. Everyone stop at their what they're doing. Press pause. And then just repeat. Put the bunny back in the box. As horribly as you can. Um, but yeah, we have a, a star-studded cast. The director, Simon West, isn't too shabby either. He has a great filmography. Well, I don't want to say a great filmography, but he is, he is well-versed in the action genre. Uh, as he has uh, Tomb Raider. The Tomb Raider, the very first Tomb Raider, Lara Croft Tomb Raider with Angelina Jolie. He directed that. The General's Daughter, he directed that. And that's kind of a... Um, that's not really an action film. It's more of a t detective thriller with John Travolta and um, can't think of his think of his name. That's rare, but uh, he's in that as well. Um, and then When a Stranger Calls, Simon West directed When a Stranger Calls. So I don't know if um, you've watched a stranger When a Stranger Calls. It's it's a remake of a movie, but the remake is good. It's it's a it's a solid um, a thriller that takes place inside of this uh, luxurious house that I would actually like to to own, and uh, so it's a solid thriller. So Simon West does know his way around action type films. Some fun facts is the budget was seventy five million dollars. So when you're watching uh, Con Air, you can see on screen where the money is spent. It's not like some movies that you watch and you're like, what? That cost $100 million, but why? But this movie, you can, you can tell. Money was spent. People did their A game in front of the camera and behind the camera. Because it was exactly, I think, what they were probably going for when they were coming on doing, you know, 
uh, signed on to actually do the um, movie. So that's something to uh, to look forward to. So $75 million budget. It made $101.1 million in the United States and $224 million worldwide, which would translate to probably around $600 million. So this was a very big financial success. And um, everyone got uh, a pay grade. I mean, Nicolas Cage was on the verge, I think, for uh, after this, he, he was able to make $20 million per film. He was then considered... A movie star because you can go you go from an, a working actor to a, a hey I know that person I know that I know that person hey I know that face to that to an established actor you know and then you would get to the movie star level and there's only a you know a handful of those and there's seemingly less and less of those as time goes on because there's more ensembles more films like Fast X or um, the Marvel movies. Whereas, um, now Fast X does have character arcs and stuff throughout, as does the Marvel movies, but I say that as in, if, if, if one person doesn't reappear in one of those movies, it's not going to crash the movie. Whereas, you know, if the movie Castaway was made with any other person other than Tom Hanks, would the movie have even been greenlit given a go is what that means to do in the first place. You have to have an established actor or actress that can do that. That's your, uh, you know, you've got Sandra Bullock, you've got probably Denzel Washington. You may have Tim Timothy Chalamet, whatever his name is, Chalmaine. Uh, <laughs> so there's a few of those. I don't even know if he would fit into that, honestly. Jason Momoa, maybe. But if you look a lot of the the rock, but there's a lot of these people that they're in a lot of ensembles now. So it's 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 you know these big ensembles with six or seven or more names that you've heard of. And Con Air is that, um, but this was like that in the in the 90s. So it wasn't as common of a thing. And a lot of these side actors were um, a lot of independent actors like uh, Steve Buscemi. For example, he had mainly been in independent films. You've got Danny Trejo. He'd mainly been in some independent films. And so that rounded out the cast as well. So let's get into other some fun facts. Dave Chappelle, I learned, he told me, if you can believe that, that he um, improvised almost every single line of dialogue that he had in the movie, if you can believe that. And that doesn't surprise me. He says a lot of things in the movie that he would say probably uh, in his stand-up act. Um, you know, not not exactly. He's not cracking jokes exactly like that. But when you see his, his performance, and he is, he's, he's, you know, a, uh, you know, I don't, he, I'm not going to, spoiler alert, if you need that, 26 years later, he doesn't make it to the end of the movie. So, which is fine, you know, he doesn't, that's okay. Now, the body of him for his dead body scene did not look all that 
real. I will say that. But it's just in there quickly, so, you know, it's okay. It's okay. So we've got John Malkovich. He was unhappy during the production because the script was being rewritten every day. And he said he had no idea how his character was going to turn out. He had no idea. So I can imagine being an actor a little bit myself that going in, you know, learning the, the dialogue that you need to learn is difficult enough. So you're going in on set to a $75 million production and there is dialogue being rewritten every day that you go in. That cannot be an easy thing to deal with at all. On a side note, um, I had filmed this, uh, it was about a year ago, this this week. Um, I went to Florida last year and was working on this film called Calvary Island, which is set to come out hopefully soon. So I go down there with the actual, uh, my, my dialogue, I'm, I'm helping, I'm the director's assistant. I have a small part and I'm going to be doing some um, crew work behind the scenes Um gaffer doing anything you need to be done so what happens is that i get down there someone can't make it to the to the set because of a covid so i'm asked to do these lines and uh do fill in and do this character so the character probably probably has i don't know 50 to 60 lines of dialogue I've learned the the one or two lines of dialogue that I was supposed to for this other other character. So now I'm going and reading the script, which you know I hadn't read. I guess I should have, but reading the script, trying to learn these lines of dialogue the day before the day of the shoot, which is not as easy as it would seem. So that being said, I can imagine John Malkovich's frustration, especially because he's coming from a more serious point of view. Up until, up until this point, I don't think he had really done any um, commercial action films like this. So this was probably one of his first ones that he did. Now, we came into the show with the song How Do I Live by Leanne Rimes and Trisha Yearwood. They both had a version they were both almost identical version. One was released on the pop charts and one was released on the country charts. Trisha Yearwood, she, um, I think her version made it higher on the charts. But this is a song, one of the few, that was both nominated for both, both Best Original Song for Oscar and the Worst Original Song as a Razzie. So it, it was nominated for the best and the worst. My opinion, um, you know, at the time, I didn't really care for the song all that much. I would often turn it if it came on. Um, I hadn't really listened to the song since the movie. I listened to uh, when I decided Con Air that, that you know, let me, let me give the song a listen again. And so it's it's more of a nostalgic song for me, but it's nothing that I cling to. It it kind of resonates to you know this movie. So whenever I think of or hear, how do I live? That's uh, 
kind of want to think about it. So another interesting thing about this film is that during the ending scene, it takes place in on the Las Vegas Strip. And on the Las Vegas Strip, they were about to do, uh, they were about to demolish the, let's see what they were about to demolish here. Sorry about that. I had it here, but I lost my train of thought. They were about to delete, uh, delete. They were about to tear down the uh, Sands Hotel. So when the production found out they were going to tear this down, they were like, let's get in there. Let's see if we can get this because we've got this plan in Vegas. This would be perfect and it would save us money because we don't have to set up the pyrotechnics and everything. All we have to do is set up multiple cameras, get this on film, get the actors um, doing what they need to do. Action. Everything demolishes, blows up. We have multiple cameras. We've got it. That is how they did it. And it's real. When the de demolition takes place in the movie, the plane crash, everything that blows up or is demolished in the movie was really actually demolished in real life. So that was kind of cool. Like I said earlier, Face Off was also came out in 1997. So with Face Off, The Rock, and Con Air, many Nicolas Cage fans refer to this as the holy trinity of action films. You may have known, you may have not known, but Nicolas Cage traveled to Alabama to work on his accent. So there's a lot of people that said they didn't like his accent, he puts it on too thick. I don't know the answer to that. I've only been to Alabama a couple times. I've enjoyed it, but I didn't really get into any kind of a discussion with anyone there. So it's it's kind of weird about accents because there's accents all over the country, all over the world. And you can be from the same town, um, just different parts of the town, and your accent can be completely different than an accent from, you know, if you're possibly Coburn, Wise, Kingsport, you know, Asheville, Tennessee. I could just name, name, and name. Sorry about that. I, I got distracted. Now, if people do want to send some messages throughout the show, they can do that on Facebook. That's what's happening. So, um, just thought I would uh, fill, fill you in on that. So, let's get back to the plot and the story. As you know, we go through things on the, on the movie. We go through a series of questions that we answer. And plot and story is one of the things that I do like to talk about. This is a fairly original plot. Um, I don't know if there's any other movies where inmates take over a plane. I, you know, I have no idea about that. But from what I know of movie research, there's not that many. Uh, and not that many in this style. Now, the story is basically, and I'd forgotten how quickly the story pretty much sets up that Cameron Poe is, you know, he's been, uh, he was in a, a bar fight outside, some some ruffins, ruffins tried to rough him up and his girl, he wasn't having it, he wasn't having that, and um, 
he accidentally killed one of them. And she says, you know, I thought that I thought that that person was back in your past, which means that he had a past of being rough. And rough and tumble, which, you know, would make you think, well, that's why he got into the military to clean his act up, to get himself together. And that's what he did. He does serve time. His lawyer tells him to uh, plead guilty. If he pleads guilty, he'll serve a year at most. And the, the judge says, listen, you are not subjected to the same uh, punishment as regular folks because you have military training. So therefore, you're going to serve longer time. I always thought that was a little bit of a plot hole because I do remember, even when I watched it the very first time, thinking the lawyer should have known that. And it was always a little odd to me that he didn't know that. But you would, you know, that being said, so Cameron Poe goes in and over the series of the opening credits, basically, he's in there working out. He's right. His, his wife, his wife is pregnant at the, at the beginning of the film. So she's given birth to the daughter. He's in, he's in jail. He's in prison. He's, he's doing the push-ups. He's doing the workout. He's getting letters to and from his little girl and he's exciting, excited about getting out. He's very excited because he's never met his little girl. And this will be the first time that he's met her because he does not want her to see him inside the cell. And I don't think I would either. I really don't. Because I would be sitting in there crying, to be honest. I mean, someone like me is not made to be behind bars. I'm not going to be able to take it. Maybe. Would I want to, though? No. Would I want to take it with the heathens that Cameron Poe was in there with? No. Cameron Poe, guess what? I bet you didn't know this little bit of information, did you? His cellmate is the same actor who plays Bubba Gump. Well, I don't know if he's... Not Bubba Gump, but he plays Bubba. And I guess Gump's the, the fishing boat. Not really one of my favorite movies, Forrest Gump. I've only seen it twice. And I'm fine with that. Um, but the plot in the story... So, pretty much Cameron Poe gets put on this... Convict plane full of these deadly uh, inmates that are being transported. Now, I don't think they would ever put uh, ever put someone like Cameron Poe on this kind of a plane. So you have to, uh, you know, extend disbelief. But still, yet, um, it it works within the movie. You know, if you don't think too hard about some of the logic, it it does work, and it makes more for a more fun experience if you if you do it that way. Which, you know, hopefully you will. So, the inmates, one thing leads to another. It happens rather quickly. Dave Chappelle starts things off with, um, he kind of upchucks this little balloon with uh, gasoline in it and a match. And he sets his um, passenger to his left on fire. And that is kind of how the um, hilarity ensues. So as it progresses from there, I guess you can imagine Cameron Poe doesn't want to let them know that he does not want anything to do with this. His main interest is getting back to see his wife and his little girl that he's never seen. So throughout the movie, Cameron Poe is trying to mask his intentions and just make it there safely, all the while trying to help his friend Bubba get um, insulin. Because during the... Um, 
you know, when Dave Chappelle's character catches uh, the inmate on fire, it knocks over a lot of the medical supplies, and therefore all the insulin that this one cat needs is gone. And that's another reason that Nicolas Cage's character, Cameron Poe, doesn't get off the plane because he doesn't want to leave and leave a fallen man behind, which falls back into the military training and that that train of thought. So he he does you know what he thinks is the noble and the right thing. So therefore he does it. Now we've got the characters. This is a cast of characters that are beloved. They're characters that. You know, I don't think there's a, a weak character in, in the film as far as what they're trying to achieve at all. You've got Steve Buscemi. He sings, uh, you know, got the, um, you've got the whole world in, in his hands with the little girl there. You've got Cyrus the Virus, which is uh, John Malkovich. And then you've got Ving Rhames. I forget some of these names that they have. I should have written them all down. But they're they're each they each have a little bit of their own um, personal personality to their crimes too. So that kind of adds to the deviance and the you know the the tough guy persona that these people have. And they're all very tough. They're they're junkyard dogs pretty much, uh, crazy junkyard dogs. Except you've got Steve Buscemi. So he's kind of the the, I think it uh, he I think he's killed thirty seven people and he wore a girl's head as a hat for quite a while. So that was kind of gross, I think. You know what I mean? Um. You know, Cameron Poe, he doesn't really talk a lot in the movie if you really wa- go back and watch and think about it. Um, I would I would argue that that I didn't realize how much time it spent on um what's his name? What's his name? John Cusack, his character. The film probably spends a good 20, 20 to 25 minutes on, you know, the side plot about about that. Um, when I was younger, I thought that that part could have been taken out a little bit, shortened, and it probably could a little bit. But I don't really think it's anything that is overdone. You know, I think it fits in. You know, the running time on this, I'm always big in, in watching running time is an hour and 55 minutes. So... For an action film, it's got a pretty good running time because a lot of the action movies today are well over two hours long, which in my opinion is too long. You don't really need a movie that long. And if a movie is going to be that long, it better be a really good movie. Here's a little bit of the intro of The Jailbirds. But there's an uh, eccentric uh, cast of characters. So I think the characters are strong. I think they're, you're going to find one you like. Uh, one that you're, you know, happy that they get what the what's coming to them at the end. That's always fun. And I, I, I can't say that there's really a weak, a weak character. I mean, the guy that is a big jerk by uh, his name in real life is uh, Cal Meany. You'll, you'll know his face. He's one of those guys. He is a real jerk. He's a real uh, dumb butt, 
He's not really a dumb butt, but he's a jerk. <laughs> so you'll you'll like to hate him. And he's very he's he's almost you you I anyway disliked him more than I disliked Cyrus the virus. And that's just being honest with you. Um see favorite scenes or least favorite scenes of Con Air. Now that's a tough one. You know, I, I don't really have a least favorite scene in the film. There, there was a couple scenes that you watch it now, and you're like, "Oh, there's the meme. There's the meme shot." But other than that, it's you know, I don't know if I really have a favorite scene. There's, there's a few good action scenes in it. Obviously, there's a lot of uh, gun, gun uh, battles, a lot of fist fights, a lot of explosions. And I guess if I, if you had to go just by the spectacle of everything is that it is um, probably probably the ending Carson City scene is what I would probably say the Carson City scene so but yeah it is it's great it's it's a great um, scene I don't really have any like I said least favorite scenes you know there's a there's a scene where they're seeing um, singing he's got the whole world in his hands as the plane is going down and that's kind of uh that's not one of my least favorite scenes or anything but it's kind of a fun scene in a way here's a little bit of the theme song But you can tell just by listening to uh, the score that this is an adrenaline-packed movie. I think it's a good score. That brings us to the score and the music. Now, like I was saying last week, back in the 90s, a lot of movies had those had those scores that were best-selling scores, best-selling soundtracks, and they had hit songs. And and this is one of those. It had the hit song, How Do I Live? How Do I Live Without You? And I've often wondered. I've often wondered. Sorry there, when I was playing uh, the song, I ran. I had to ran, run to let the next guest in. So that's why I'm out of breath. I ran pretty far in like 10 seconds. <coughs> Excuse me. But yeah, you know, other than that, I mean, it's very noticeable. The, um, the score and the music, it's, it, without it, it wouldn't be the same. You guys can come in. Yeah, it's open. We got, we got a guest coming in tonight. Hey guys. But, uh, yeah, it is, uh, have you seen the movie Con Air? Con Air, Nicolas Cage movie? Okay. So, yeah, that's what we're talking about right now. 
Um, yeah. Yep. Yep. We're live right now. You can get this mic there if you want to. He's just gonna be. Yeah. Okay. This one's good for you though, Chandler. If you want that one. Yep. Yeah, that's good. But yeah, we're just talking a little bit about Con Air tonight. Um, Is that the New York uh, Air right now? <laughs> probably. Yeah. That's the uh, can't breathe air. That's horrible. Is that not crazy? It's crazy. It reminds you of like a movie, like the End of Times movie. Silent Hopefully Hill. Hopefully it passes. Hopefully it passes. I hope so. But yeah, uh, so yeah, the uh, the music and score of Con Air was pretty good. Let's let's let Chandler listen to a little bit of it. I don't. He's not. Let's go to. Uh, we always do certain uh, segments in the show. So uh, this is a segment talking about the score and the music. Because if you think about movies often, without that score and music, it's it, that adds so much emotion to whatever you're watching on screen. Yeah, yeah. And just imagine it could be a romance movie, be an action, it could be thriller, horror movie, without that music. No, it's fine. So here's a little bit of the Con Air music. I guess that was all of it. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so yeah, I would say, you know, it's not anything great, but it's nothing bad to uh, really go out. But you, sh- you, nobody needs to really seek it out. You know what I mean? Right. You know, it's it, it works for the movie. But other than that. Just like uh, dramatic? Is that what it is? It's basically just like uh, for like B-roll and stuff? I guess. So we got, so I'll, let, me, let me set up the, the premise here for Con Air. So Con Air is... Uh, Nicholas Cage's character, Cameron Poe, accidentally kills, um, you know, like a like a hoodlum at a bar. Yeah. But he has military training, so he's sentenced to eight years in jail, in prison, as his wife gives birth to their baby while he's in prison. Yeah. So he's on a uh, a jet plane filled full of inmates, but the inmates take over the plane. All Cameron Poe wants to do. Have you seen this? All Cameron Poe wants to do is make it home to his little girl. Right. And he's uh, he's on for one uh, one heck of a ride. I need to watch this. <laughs> it's a good movie. It's a good action movie. So I'm gonna we'll wrap up the uh, real talk here. But let me get into the last uh, point here. Would you recommend this movie? Now, since Chandler hasn't watched this, I'm gonna recommend this to Chandler. And the reason being is why. If you like action, if you like realistic action, this isn't CGI stuff. Like I was saying earlier. The plane, the bomber that's in the sky, did really crash into Las Vegas Casino because they were demolishing it. So they went ahead and did it for real. All the kicks, everything, realistic. That's awesome. No CGI stuff. There's a lot of uh, gun battles. What casino did they uh, crash to? They crashed in the legendary Sands Hotel. Actually fly to Vegas Monday. That's cool. (laughs) Yeah, fly to Vegas Monday. That's awesome. That's awesome. But uh, but yeah, I would definitely think uh, people should check it out. If you haven't, um, you've missed out. So Chandler, you've missed out. I know, man. But you know what though? That means I get I get that that feel of that first watch. That first watch. I get the first watch. Yes. You got y'all got to go back and watch it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's just a repeat for it's me. It's a repeat. It's gonna be my first time. Yeah, and I don't think you'll be disappointed at all. I hope not. It's an it's an hour and fifty five minutes of adrenaline, and it's and it's well worth it. Did you like it? Was a good action movie, yeah. So uh, we're gonna end the show. We'll be right back in just a moment. <laughs> 